Lord, we just, uh, I just pray that you would use me this morning, Father, and uh, I just pray for your Holy Spirit, and uh, we just want to glean everything from your word this morning that, uh, that you want us to take from it, Lord. Uh, just to help it to go deep, deep into our hearts, Father, and we'll be sure to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this morning we uh, we're kind of kind of do a a Wednesday evening kind of a service on Sunday morning. Um, weren't sure exactly what we we're going to teach uh, to begin with, but then Drew and I talked it over, and we decided uh, we would the next the next uh, book that was going to be uh, Nate was going to be teaching on Wednesday night was going to be Hebrews so we thought since it was a longer chapter or a longer book we kind of split that up between us so uh, this morning uh, my goal is to get uh, through chapter 6 uh, of Hebrews chapter, chapters 1 through 6 and so uh, a little bit of background about the Hebrews um, I listened to this one guy talk about the Hebrews, and every time he said, uh, who is the Hebrews written to? <laughs> the Hebrews, right? <laughs> I, won't, I won't mention his name, Scott. But um, anyway, uh, it's written to the Hebrews, and, and what, um, what the author was writing about was that there were Jewish Christians, and from what I've uh, surmised, they were probably in Rome. And these Jewish Christians had, I mean, they'd given their life to Jesus, but now there were some people creeping back in, um, and they were trying to pull them away from uh, what Jesus taught, and th they were trying to get them to go back to the law and to circumcision and in other words, it was Jesus and something else. Jesus in this or Jesus in that by works. They were, they were trying to uh, talk, talk them into, into that. And we know that any time that Jesus puts uh, you know, forth his word and when we, when we read, there's always opposition. All through the Bible, any time that... Uh, that apostles or people are making progress uh, towards uh, Christendom, then there's always uh, opposition. I mean, we look look at Acts. Uh, all through the book of Acts, Paul he would he would go to one place and they would throw him out, or they'd try to stone him, or whatever. There's always opposition. So. Um, Anyway, the, the writer of Hebrews, uh, he, that's one of the things that he's putting forth. But the other main uh, goal of Hebrews is that Jesus is superior to everything, and he's superior to everyone. And these first few chapters of, of Hebrews, um, it's about explaining uh, what, uh, who, who these people are putting forth as... Uh, maybe equal to Jesus, but we know that there are none. Nobody is equal to Jesus. 
Um, so it's works-based salvation uh, is what, but we know Jesus is the only way. I mean, right here behind us, it, it says, this, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. And the continuation of that verse is, no one comes to me, uh, so, except by me. Uh, so Jesus is superior to everything. And so we're going to start off uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm, I may be skipping around some. Uh, it just depends on the time and what, what we've got, whether I can get through all of it or, or what. So as Nate likes to say, we may not be able to unpack all of this <laughs> this morning. So anyway... Uh, God, what a great way to start off uh, a verse, right? God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time, in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So here we go right off the bat. He's talking about the prophets. And verse 2 says, Has in these last days spoken to us by his son, that's his son Jesus, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he also he, also, he made the worlds, who being the brightest of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So he jumps kind of right over the prophets. Um, we know the prophets, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all those guys had great things to say. They had great teaching and they were very, very faithful men, but they were not superior to Jesus, no matter how you look at it. And um, again, he, he, he speaks through his son. That's what the word says here. He made the worlds. I mean, nobody can make that claim uh, other than Jesus. Uh, he's the, he's uh, the image of the invisible God, and he's the firstborn over all creation. And that comes from Colossians. Uh, can we use any of these descriptions for the angels? Uh, and we're going to get into more about the angels here. You know, the angels have ministries. Um, however, they are as well still subordinate to Jesus. You know, all through the Bible, we see uh, where angels are ministering to people. Um, some, some of the ones I remember, or sometimes they're not just ministering. Sometimes they're doing things like killing 185,000 Assyrians, <laughs> you know, in Hezekiah's day. But then I also think about the angel that went to Mary and, and told her that she was going to have a baby and... She couldn't understand that, but she believed, and she obeyed, and she, she had Jesus. Um, verse 5 says, For of which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And I want to make it clear about that begotten. That doesn't, you know, in so many places... Begotten means to birth. Well, he didn't birth Jesus. What, what the begotten means here means that he set Jesus aside. He set him apart to do his will, and that will was eventually to hang on the cross and, and to die for our sins. 
And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he, sa- but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Again, he's, a, he's set apart. He's, a, he's the son who has been set apart for our salvation. And again, the angels worship him. The angels are lower again than Jesus uh, starting in verse 7, he says, And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the Son, he says, and this is uh, God speaking to the Son, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, a scepter of righteousness in the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has appointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So, again, God's speaking these things to his son. Now, one of the teachings I listened to, uh, one of the guys went into a whole thing about uh, this is a great verse if you have Jehovah Witnesses come to your house. Because I guess... One of the things that they, they believe is that Jesus is not the Son of God, that he is just a prophet. Um, but again, it says there in verse 8, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, a scepter of righteousness. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with all the oil of gladness more than your companions. So, God is uh, God, and Jesus is Jesus, and there is no other that we that we get reach our salvation through than other than Jesus. So again, in chapter or verse ten, now we go into some of the attributes. Um, you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but your name, but you remain. And they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. These are all some quotes from the Psalms. And um, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, And these are attributes uh, that, that Jesus has that... The, the angels don't possess, you know. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, and that's the place of honor. Um, and it's mentioned many times in, in the New Testament. And again, the angels are ministering spirits who serve the Lord, but they also minister to us uh, at times, you know, when we talk about having guardian angels. And, uh, but they are spirit. Um, and um, through faith in Christ, uh, that's how we, um, it says, those who will inherit the salvation. And that's through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's, again, that's the message to the recipients of this letter. Um, that, that these guys are falling, starting to fall away and they're starting to believe that there's other ways uh, to get to heaven uh, or the, besides uh, through Jesus. So uh, I'm going to go to chapter 2 now. 
And uh, again, the Judaizers are creeping in. They're pr pushing works to earn their salvation. And uh, in, in chapter 2, he starts out, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to things we have heard, lest we drift away. So earnest heed, uh, you know, he's, he's being... Uh, He's being very specific about this, and there's an intensity uh, to that earnest heed to the things we have heard. See, they've heard about Jesus, and they know what, what Jesus says and what he has said and, and, and what, he, uh, what he stands for and that they're saved by his salvation. But it's, so, it's easy to drift away sometimes. You know, there's, there's many things that, that can slowly lead us into compromise and to lead us into uh, uh, falling away or drifting away, which it's drifting away to me means more slowly, a slowly uh, falling away. And it could be like, you know, well, I won't go to church this week or, uh, you know, maybe I'll you know, do something else, or I'll go play golf one Sunday, or, uh, but those are things, those are parts of compromise. Uh, peer pressures can be part of it and cause this drifting, but again, it's a slow process, and we can't neglect, you know, what we've heard, uh, and we hear it here every week. We hear it here every week. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus, is, Jesus loves us, and he loved us so much that, that he died for us upon that cross. And I think that's, uh, for me personally, that's the one thing that, uh, that I have to remember. Also, uh, in that, just that first verse, it, uh, it says, therefore we. So the author is including himself in, in this. He, does, he doesn't want to fall away either. And uh, he does, and he wants to. Um, he, he wants to keep proclaiming to him what they've heard, and uh, what have we heard? And it's what Jesus has said. Um, I'm going to skip down to verse uh, five now. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place, saying, "What is man?" that you are mindful of him, or the Son of Man, that you take care of him. Um, that's from Psalm 8, and I, I know we sing a song about that here. Uh, uh, who, is, who is man that, that you are mindful of him? And, and it's just so telling how much Jesus does care for us, because we haven't done anything that, that's worthy of him you know, being mindful of us, but, but he is because he loves us. He became uh, the man that, that he might fulfill why he was set apart for our salvation. And uh, that's why he became a man to, uh, to come to this earth. Because it's because he loved us. He put a, for he, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, 
might taste death for everyone. So that says it all right there. He tasted death for each and every one of us. Verse 14, I'm going to go to now, and it um, says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who, th who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, for indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a man, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted." So those verses talk about uh, what Jesus went through and why he went through it. Um, and because of that, we no longer need to fear death in our lives uh, because through Christ, uh, death has been overcome, right? Amen? Yeah, death has been overcome because he died for us on that cross. And... Uh, we don't need to respond to God. Uh, Scott talks about this all the time uh, by trying to fix things uh, or, or by trying harder. We can't, you know, we can't earn our salvation. You know, Ephesians tells us that. Uh, and we respond to God by loving him for who he is and resting in his salvation. Uh, we've, re we've been released from that bondage of fear and death and that's through the victory through Jesus. Um, it talks about uh, the propitiation there, and uh, he was the propitiation for our sins, and uh, God approved what Jesus did, and it doesn't matter what we think, uh, we just have to believe, uh, but it does matter that God said there that, that what he did and that his sacrifice uh, mattered. So I'm going to move on to chapter 3 now. Um, again, uh, they're, they're pushing these guys. The, uh, the Judaizers are. They're, they're tempting them to return to the law. But we're going to, we're going to see in uh, chapter 3 um, about we're going to start talking again about Moses and again um, I, maybe I haven't made it uh, clear enough but but I said it at the first Jesus is superior to you know the prophets he's superior to the angels and now we're going to talk about Moses and Moses was one of the most faithful guys you know uh, along with Abraham and um, um, Drew's going to get into that probably uh, when he gets uh, on Wednesday night, when we get into chapter 11 about, uh, about all those guys that were so faithful. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about Moses in this chapter. And it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly callings, consider, think about the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. 
So Moses, uh, Moses did so much and was so faithful, uh, but yet he still himself didn't reach the promised land, right? Because of one, one failure on his part. Uh, but he did lead the whole nation, uh, all the Hebrews, out of Egypt and, and took them right up to the promised land. Um, but again, he gave the law, but we know the law leads to death because we can never keep the law. We're all sinners and we can never be good enough or uh, do enough, have done enough to, um, to earn our salvation. Um, so again, Moses, uh, again, he was faithful in all his house. And, and there's, there's so much more to unpack in these verses here, but I, I just don't have enough time. Uh, you know, what it talks about his house, he, he, he's talking about uh, the tabernacle and, you know, Moses built the tabernacle, but that was just uh, a vision of what was going to be in heaven. And, and, but again, I, I just don't have enough time to, to get into unpacking all that. Um, but it's, as Nate always says, you need to read yourselves. You need to read it yourselves and you need to study yourselves uh, because um, we can't ever up here just explain everything. And, and I mean, Scott does a great job of it and, and uh, I appreciate how, how uh, masterful he is at doing what he does. Um, but you still need to study on your own. You need to read on your own. Uh, and and it, it'll mean so much more to you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to teach because it gives me an opportunity to study uh, what I'm teaching so much deeper. And, and um, I, it, it, it's just such, it's, it, it's a blessing and it's a privilege to me to be able to do that. So moving on to uh, verse 7. Uh, it says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years, therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And that's uh, from uh, Psalm 95. And this is speaking of the time um, when, actually it's the story of Numbers uh, chapter 13, where the Hebrews were uh, in Kadesh uh, Barnea. And we all know the story, we've heard it so many times. Um, you know, uh, Moses sent the 10 guys to up, or the 12 guys up to survey the land. And um, when they came back down and two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they, you know, they said, let's go for it. You know, they believed God and they believed what God said and they weren't going to compromise and they were, they were ready to, to go take the land as God had promised them. But... Unfortunately, there were 10 other guys that uh, were not faithful and they didn't believe 
they compromised and they talked about how there were giants in the land and oh well we can't uh, we're not going to be able to conquer them and you know one of the things one of the guys I, I've listened to over the years says God plus one is a majority right and I mean that's all they needed was God to go in with them into the promised land but what happened, these guys infected the whole rest of the nation. You know, uh, there was like 500,000 men that they uh, infected with this unbelief. And, and so, you know, they, they ended up dying in the wilderness. And, you know, here on earth, we are all in, in a wilderness at some point. Uh, but through Jesus and believing in him and being faithful uh, to him, uh, we're called to something better than what happened to those guys. Uh, again, unbelief of 10 men caused the whole nation uh, to fail. And uh, their, their failures, they, they compromised and they didn't take God at his word. And they ended up dead physically because of their spiritual unbelief. And what we, may, what we do believe in our hearts and our minds, especially our hearts, it has a huge impact on how we live, especially as Christians. Um, I, uh, let's go on and read uh, verse 12. Uh, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And so again, he's just telling us that... Uh, to me, that verse means we need to, to be around, those verses means uh, we need to be exhorting one another daily. And I think part of, we do that here every Sunday because we, you know, one of the, and that's something I neglected to do when, after worship this morning, was ask everybody to pray for one another. You know, I'm not used to being in that, <laughs> that position. Uh, but, but we do. We need to pray for one another. We need to exhort one another. And uh, we don't want to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's what, it, what the verse says there. And uh, we want to we hold on to Christ. And we want, want him to be our mainstay. Um, Verse 16 says, For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Again, we're continuing this story about, about the unbelief of those guys. Now with whom was he angered 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And he's talking um, about how unbelief will rob us of the better things that Christ has for us and the better things he brings into our lives. Um, 
Don't forget, uh, ever forget uh, what, God, what Jesus had done. And we, want, we need to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. As uh, Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And that's, um, that's a linchpin verse there uh, that we, we need to uh, hang on to. Um, going into chapter 4, um, it says it's the promise of rest, and, and that's kind of the key word of this chapter. Um, so I'll start out in verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For, for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath that I shall never enter my rest. And again, that's again from Psalm 95. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, what a great verse that is. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. So even, even God uh, rested after, the, after six days, after uh, creating the world and, and everything in it including us and uh, God wants us to rest and he wants us to rest in our relationship with him uh, works can never bring us to that place of rest and uh, the, the Hebrew believers these guys that he's speaking to they knew the scriptures uh, again but they were being led astray by the religious people uh, and the law and again circumcision um, the word and faith must go hand in hand. We've got we've to couple what we read here with faith in, faith in Christ. Um, without doing that, uh, again, um, the, it, it's too easy for us to fall away and, and to um, not lose our salvation, but it's just so easy to get on the wrong path. And, and we want to stay on the right path, right? We want to stay on the path that leads to Jesus and, and our salvation. And again, um, it's about um, these Hebrews that uh, they were falling away. They, they were um, turning away from what uh, Jesus had taught um, for some of the things uh, these false teachers were teaching them or trying to get them to heed um, let's go to verse 11. Uh, it says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, and lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God sees everything that we do. He knows our intentions. He sees our heart. And uh, 
and his word needs to penetrate deeper than anything else into our hearts. Um, he knows all, and we need to trust him in everything. And again, this is one of those, uh, just those few verses there, there's, there's a whole sermon in that just in itself that can be taught. And, uh, but again, we just don't have enough time to, to do everything today and go in, uh, into that a lot deeper. Um, so going to verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm going to go into uh, chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have a compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sin. And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. So now we're going to get into a little bit about um, the priesthood. And um, we know that Jesus is our high priest, and, um, but we know he's not uh, from, the, from the tribe of Levi. We know he's from the tribe of Judah. But his priesthood comes from the order of Melchizedek. And... Um, and so that's, that's kind of a separate, a separate um, uh, priesthood. Um, the, and from, from what the author is saying here, what the writer is saying here, is a lot about, um, I think, the guys that are tempting uh, the Jewish Christians, that they're tempting them about the temple and about the sacrifices, uh, at this time, see, the temple hasn't been destroyed yet. This book was written probably around 64 A.D., and uh, the temple was uh, taken down in 70 A.D. Um, but again, um, the other thing that he's trying to put forth here is that, that Jesus, uh, as our high priest, he's better than the Old Testament high priests. Uh, it, it said there, uh, just as Aaron was, Aaron was, and I'd, I'm trying so hard not to say good because, you know, <laughs> you know, the word, the word tells us there's only one good, and that's, that's Jesus. Uh, but these guys, they, they were okay. Maybe that's, that's what, a better word. They were okay. These priests were okay. Moses was okay, the angels were okay, but they were still subordinate to, to Jesus. Um, and the high priests, uh, what they did, they, they represented God before the people, yet uh, he also represented the people before God. And, and these are the high priests that, that uh, were at, in the temple. 
and they did that by through their prayers and sacrifices uh, our high priest he's in the glory of heaven and he's our advocate who represents us before God Aaron and his descendants weren't bad again but Jesus is better he faced all the temptations and uh, he overcame them yet he can still sympathize with us because of, of what he went through and uh, Jesus loves us and he has compassion for us uh, and we because of his sacrifices can come boldly uh, with uh, continual access that's the thing the other thing that we have through Jesus that these other guys didn't have through the the temple you know the the high priest at the temple only one went in once a year to atone for sacrifices but we have the opportunity every single day every single hour to come to Christ with anything um, that that we have sinned about uh, whether it's in private or whether it's in public uh, we need to, uh, we go to him at any time um, because he tore the curtain, right? He tore that curtain open, and we don't have to be bound by that anymore. Uh, and we can come boldly. Um, the old priests, they, they were compassionate as well, but again, uh, Jesus' compassion is greater. Um, so moving on uh, to uh, chapter 5, verse 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become the high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So uh, again, he's, he's talking about Jesus' credentials and how superior they are. And he's forever. He's the son of God. He's eternal. And uh, he's the author of our uh, eternal salvation. He washed away our sins. And it was through his suffering he became perfected. He couldn't do what he had to do without the suffering because there, were, there was no other way, no other way that it could be done. Um, I want you to note those last, last words there too, uh, since you have become dull of hearing. Here again, he's talking about these guys who are not listening to what Jesus says anymore they're, they're they've turned away and and uh, hopefully they didn't turn totally away um, but we're going to talk a little bit about something about that here in a minute um, verse 12 says for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk 
and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So these guys that are become dull of hearing, they're also, they're forgetting about what they've already been taught. You know, Paul talked about um, uh, being babes and only being fed milk. When you're young Christians, that's, that's what, what we are doing because we don't totally understand what uh, the Word is saying to us. But as we mature, we need to, you know, and as we, if we study and take the Word deeper into our hearts, then we, uh, we become uh, more mature believers. And uh, we can, once we do that, then we can uh, teach others about Jesus and um, go to others with uh, the good news that, that we that we have taken in ourselves. Um, this guy's saying that uh, these people shouldn't need the, the kind of encouragement to stay close to, to the Lord. Um, um, maybe the, they lack the ability to move forward um, because of apathy, or maybe it was their laziness, or maybe compromise. There's any number of things that, that can... Um, just kind of stunt our growth when it comes to uh, our spiritual maturity. But, uh, you know, that maturity is based upon how much of the Word we actually know. And I wish I knew so much more than what I do. You know, I've, I've read the Bible uh, every year for several years, and I discover every year I, I read something that... that uh, makes a light bulb go on in my head that, that I've never read or that I've read before over and over, but it, it didn't hit me at that time. But, um, you know, so I would encourage you to, to, to just continue to read. And again, uh, your maturity in Christ will grow uh, more and more. Um, also, how much that we're applying and obeying, uh, knowing the Word and the authority that we allow to guide our decision-making and our thinking and how we live. That's what the Word does for us, and that's what uh, having a, that relationship with Jesus does for us. Um, I've... I got it in my notes here, it says perhaps some were wavering because they didn't know the scriptures, but um, these guys, a lot of them had to know the scriptures because, um, again, they were, they were thinking about falling back on, on the law and, and all that. And so they knew the scriptures, uh, but uh, they were just becoming apathetic about uh, their faith. And... Uh, in our lives, we just can't become apathetic about Jesus did, has done so much for us and he cares so deeply for us. And because of that, how can we grow apathetic about, about what he's done for us? Um, I just think of him hanging on that cross 
and because of the sins that I've committed and that in itself should be enough to to make us dig in and and just to read the word and and uh, because again it helps us in in all through our walk in in our lives um, Jesus is superior he's superior to the prophets to the angels to Moses to Aaron to the Levitical priesthood he is superior to everything created chapter 6 therefore leaving this discussion of the elementary principles of Christ let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms of laying on of hands of res resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment and this we will do if God permits so he's he's in exhorting them and encouraging them uh, to go forward and not backward verse 4 for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame those are some harsh words aren't they as I studied uh, this um, there were two two schools of thought about it um, you know some people thought that after you had been saved and that's what we're talking about here now we says have become partakers of the Holy Spirit that means that they have uh, tasted the Holy Spirit they've um, given their lives over to the Lord um, but yet they've turned away now one school of thought is says that once you've been saved you're saved and you can never lose your salvation but I think there's there's two things here um, that we need to think about um, there's there's a certain thing called apostasy and there's another thing we can contrast with that um, and that is being a backslider you know we hear about people who are backsliders and um, but that's much different than an apostate a person that falls into apostasy those people turn their back on Jesus and they turn their back on everything Jesus taught they walk away they have no regrets about walking away and therefore they've turned their back on the Holy Spirit and upon God and you know to me those people that have put God to an open shame they are not gonna be saved they've lost they're gonna lose their salvation now there are some who we could call backsliders that we might fall into sin we might fall into a sin after we've been 
after we've been saved, after we've developed that relationship with Jesus. But the, the difference between a backslider and the apostate is the backslider still is convicted by the Holy Spirit. And because of that conviction by the Holy Spirit, they can come back to the Lord. They can come back to the Lord. The Lord offers forgiveness. The Lord saves the Lord. And those people do not lose their salvation. And so I think you have to be very specific uh, in those verses about, uh, I mean, there are people that even with those verses say that, uh, you know, oh, those people are saved, they can't lose their salvation. But I don't think any of us here, I think all of us here realize that um, God's forgiven us of our sins and, and we don't want to go out and openly sin. We don't want to go out and deliberately sin. But uh, sometimes we fall into something that we don't want to. And uh, I, I think Drew mentioned this morning, we look at something on the internet or whatever that we don't, uh, that we shouldn't. And, and um, you know, but God, you know, maybe right after you do that, you know, the Holy Spirit says to you, dude, what are you doing? You know, and, and so we turn away from that. You know, that's the difference. We're turning away from sin and not towards sin. And the apostates, they, they turn towards sin. And again, they put Jesus to an open shame and they don't care about Jesus anymore. And so they don't, they don't even want to be saved. They have no regrets. Um, verse 9 says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister and we desire that each one of you show that same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So God's not going to forget our good works that we do, even though those good works do not save us. Uh, he remembers our service to him, and um, he wants us to focus our eyes uh, on God and our, and our peers who believe in what God says and, and that produce the fruit of the Spirit in, in their lives. Um, it says in verse... Uh, for God is not unjust, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name and that you have ministered to the saints and and do minister so we want to focus our eyes on Jesus and we want to surround ourselves with uh, people who are um, uh, whether we can where we can see the fruit uh, the good fruit uh, that comes from them uh, finally I just want to read uh, verse uh, 19 
Um, and this verse says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. God is our anchor. He's our foundation. And, and um, we talked earlier about drifting away. And, you know, God is our anchor. We could hold on to that anchor, but God never drifts away. He's that solid anchor. He's that solid foundation. And um, he, um, if, if there's a drifting away that happens, it's in our lives that we drift away. Um, God tells us that uh, salvation, and Jesus told us, uh, salvation is only through him. It's, it's a done deal. And we know God cannot lie. Uh, as our anchor, he provides us a place of comfort, a place of peace, a place of refuge from the storms of this life. And that's what we want to constantly and continually remember. And uh, I pray that those Hebrews that, that heard this message um, from this author, that, that they heeded what they heard. And... Um, and they earnestly heeded what they heard. And um, so, so today, um, kind of su to summarize, what we learned is Jesus is superior. He, there's, there's none other like him. And um, we talked about unbelief and how unbelief uh, leads us into a spiritual death. And... Um, that spiritual death is much worse than a physical death. Um, we need uh, to not become complacent or dull of hearing, and we need to move forward in our studies with uh, in in the Word, and uh, we need to move forward in uh, how we think and uh, how to embrace uh, Jesus uh, for our salvation. And uh, again, finally, we need to remember He's our anchor. He's our anchor, and he is solid, and uh, nothing, nothing can budge him. And as long as we hang on to him, he is, he is our good, good father. So, Lord, we just thank you today for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Lord, let us not fall into any type of unbelief. Help us not, our thoughts to be pure towards you and towards others. Lord, you give so much. You give so much. And we take so much, Father. But we want to give as well. So help us uh, to be in service to you, Lord. We want to be your servants uh, that help others and especially help others uh, to find the salvation that is only in you, Father. So today, Lord, as we go from here, uh, I just pray that you would guide us and lead us by your spirit. And uh, just let that spirit that uh, lives in us uh, help us to produce the fruit that you want in our lives, Lord. We just thank you so much, so much, Jesus. And it's in, all, in your name we pray these things. Amen.
So have an awesome, awesome week, right?